I had a number of long-term residents, but then a visiting poet turned into a were-panther and ate everybody. Such is life. Boar Fortress Wiki Quote Number 419 Welcome to Dwarf Fortress Roundtable, discussing social distancing among forgotten beasts for over two years. I'm Jonathan. Yeah. I'm Roland. Beautiful. Loved it. <laughs> I'm trying a new thing with the episode starts. Trying to get away from the the podcast for all things dwarfy because it just sounds very stale in my ears as I'm saying it. So. And for accuracy, we also cover things which aren't dwarfy, and we don't cover everything that is dwarfy. So. That is sadly true. I think you're right, because I feel like there's a, a number of dwarfy topics that we've yet to touch, and that's okay. That is true. That's right, and, it, and there's no cynicism in that at all. We, we really do and did feel that we would cover that yes. in topics. And we may. And we may. We've got another N episodes left, so. <laughs> that's right. Okay. <laughs> At least two more versions of Dwarf Fortress. If, if I live another 50 years thinking optimistically, that's two more versions. So that's great. You know. <laughs> thinking optimistically. Um, 50 years. Okay. So it's this is just the three of us. It's been a number of episodes since it's been uh, just the three of us. So how y'all been doing? Dandy. Um, yeah, pr- pretty good. I also didn't say the date. I've been trying to put a date stamp on these. So it's April 11th, 2021, as we record this. And have you guys been playing Dwarf Fortress? Have you had a chance the last couple of weeks? I have done a little bit of gameplay. Anything interesting happen? Well, one of the cool things that happened is the, the all the, um, I've been using a Mac more and, and it just hasn't, the, the lazy packs haven't been updated but they are now, and so everything's working beautifully now on 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 Mac. So that's really exciting. So I started playing there, and then I and I've kind of come to realize that uh, my hubris in in deciding to play these thousand fifty year old worlds or whatever, and thinking that everything would be hunky dory, that maybe that's not the case. And so I, I'm staying in my lane now, and I'm going back to some of the younger worlds, and and it's uh, it's it's uh, it's been a good experience. When you say the Mac, this is still an Intel Mac, right? It's not yeah, the M1? Yeah, uh, no, it's not the fancy one, not the not the hot new one. I don't have that one anymore. Uh, I saw on Reddit a couple people have asked for some follow-ups on does it work, does it work, and I, I don't know. Um, yeah. it. I didn't – just a meta Mac moment. I did not like the new Big Sur update. I feel like it broke lots of stuff, and, uh, and, and so I gave up on the whole thing, and I'll just stay on the old version until – until I like it. And uh, thanks for coming to my TED talk today. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, if anyone out there is running a M1 Mac and have gotten to a fortress to run on it, we would love to hear from you. Yeah. And see if there's anything that you, that you had to do differently, uh, any settings that you had to set to make it work. But yeah, it would be great for that thing to run on the, on the, the new, uh, you know, the risk based processors. No, wait, they're not risk. They're arm. Arm. My bad. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm wondering if, uh, if uh, Tarn will, um, end up uh, releasing a universal binary when he updates. That'd be interesting to, to see. It. What's a universal binary? It's one that's uh, the Mac, it's this way that Mac does its thing when it switches processor architecture. So each 
like each application that you download actually has two binary files in it. And then the Mac realizes which hardware platform you're using and then executes the proper binary instead of running the Intel binary through emulation. So basically it's huh. just double binaries. It's a pretty cool uh, system. It feels very invisible if you're operating huh. on- I wonder if it doubles the, the size of the, of the file. It does a little it's bit. It's just basically but... two executables in one. Yeah, I, I mean, it, that, that's what it is. It's just the two of the machine executables in one, but uh, yeah, the files are definitely bigger, but you know. For whatever reason, I was thinking that Tarn isn't even the one who did the compiles for, for the Mac version. That would I was make thinking sense, that I'm sure. Somebody else, I was thinking that somebody else did the Linux and, and, and Mac version compiles yeah, I'm pretty for sure. Him. I'm pretty sure it's someone else, yeah. Yeah, I, I believe that. So It's a lot to ask of the poor guy. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like, let's let him focus on the important stuff. Please note. Since recording this segment, it has been brought to our attention that compilation of all platforms does indeed take place within Bay 12 games proper. It is not outsourced to any other party. We now return you to your regularly scheduled podcast. Well, I've never had a king before uh, in, in mine, and so for the very first time, I have a king in a fortress. Awesome! So cool. It's pretty exciting. Yeah. How, how did that happen? accident all of a sudden <laughs> mm. somebody just became the king and that was it and i was and i was told the about good it old accident ah yes and i'm mm. like oh the happy accident is here so now i have a king and a barony and i'm like well that that was fast and this fort's new i mean it, it's not even and it's a newish world it's only 125 years old so it's not like i'm playing the end of a civilization or something i think it is just totally blind luck kind of awesome so pretty stoked cool. about how quickly this fort's going to make it or uh, die or whatever it's going to happen. It's gonna... Now it has some repercussions on your fortress, right? Did that King move in or did one of your citizens become the King? Um, or do that's you know? such a good question. I don't know where this guy came from. It was sort of like early enough in the game that I wasn't really paying attention to anybody. Um, Mm -hmm. so, so I have no well, idea. But no, moment, momento, momento. Um, if it actually says the king is coming, or like the king's oh, entourage no, is coming to your yeah. fortress, then um, he came to your fortress. If it says so-and-so became a king, that means that one of your dwarves became a king. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, one of them became the king, and now they want a temple, the Mucus Tentacle Creed. That's the... That's the cool. that's the lovely sect. The so that will be his throne room. <laughs> Delightful. Yeah, I suppose it could be, huh? Well, anything, Roland, interesting to report in the world of dwarves for you? Well, except for the fact that I now have a new PC that is hey. powered <laughs> by a Risen 9. Um, uh, yes, I, I kind of splashed out on my, my new processor, mostly because I thought, well, maybe, maybe I want to actually play Dwarf Fortress really, really well, so I'm going to put more money on the table. Um, turns out that worked very well. Um, my I had a lot of uh, stuff to do on the PC, so I haven't got to play that much. I basically just managed to generate two worlds. Uh, the first one was like a, me a medium world with 250 years. Took me about seven minutes. Um, wow. Takes I me was about 15. astonished. What? Takes me about 15, 20 minutes to get a, a 250 year world, I think. Mm -hmm. 
yeah, it was really fast. And then I, then I got really cocky. So I made the longest world possible. So it's like a hundred, a thousand years. I uh, also cranked up the, uh, the, the Sith amounts. So I got a lot of people in a massive world because obviously I also took the, the greatest world map size. Um, took me about half an hour. And I think that's pretty that's, good. That's a that's pretty good ratio. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Whatever I did, the I, I once tried a large world with a long history. And I think that it crashed sometime in the middle of the night because oh. I went to bed to let it go. Oh, bummer. It was it was just for fun. I was just seeing seeing how long it would take. But at that time, it was taking me maybe 30 minutes to do a 250-year world on medium size. Hmm. I'm just I'm also equally impressed, Roland, that you are able to get hold of a Ryzen processor right now. I, Honestly, I it that... was really easy. It was really wow. easy. I even got it for super cheap. Good grief. I don't I don't see a problem with processes. Like I was even even able to get a uh, the bigger version of the Ryzen 9, so the the biggest in fact. Now you're just flexing. Is that 5990 or what is that? And, and now I'm just flexing, yes. But that would have uh, cost me double. Uh, so I was like, "Nah." Uh, which would still have been a fairly good price for the processor. Next up on the Dwarf Fortress Tech podcast, <laughs> we'll be testing the new i11 <laughs> i11 oh i would love to play on that but seriously though i did not got to play because i had a lot of issues when it came to the pc but i'm very happy to see at least the world generation runs very very well especially because i came from an older i7 and this is now like a like an upgrade of, I don't know, 600% or something. That is really, really cool, and it works great. That's great. I'm looking forward to hearing how, if you notice a difference in daily activities inside of Fortress, see if it feels better. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to try, like the first Fortress I'm going to start is open when it comes to the population cap, because I kind of want to see where I can go. Yeah. My old PC was able to do 200 draws when I minimize my animal population. So I think this one could maybe go to 350. Uh, I'm very, very excited to see where this is going. I will report back, hopefully in the next episode, how that went. Cool. I think cool. that's pretty darn cool. That's neat. Well, I'm so happy to hear that you didn't need to buy a GPU to play Dwarf Fortress because there's where your sadness would really start <laughs> oh to kick Oh my god. In. Yeah, I still have my old one because yeah. I really, really did not get anything. And even my current GPU that's like four years old is uh, worth around 600 bucks. Uh, so you can't imagine the prices on the newer ones. It's ridiculous. And uh, no, no, no. Yeah, it's so lame. You talk about the graphics with Dwarf Fortress, but I just ran across a, a Stack Exchange, uh, Arcade Stack Exchange article about Dwarf Fortress and the ASCII in Dwarf Fortress. And it was it was interesting. And I'd never really thought about it before, but they are building a tile set. They're, they're representing ASCII with graphics because it's not real, true ASCII. 
because true ASCII has, you know, at, at its base, it's only got what 128 characters. And if you go with extended ASCII, it's got what, like 256. And they were talking yeah. about the fact that, that we're actually a tile set, a graphical representation of ASCII plus uh, other strange and cool characters that hmm. they do that because with GPUs, you can offload the graphics to a GPU. Even if you're not doing 3D fancy routines, it still can utilize the GPU uh, of, a, of, a, of a computer, the video card, where that wouldn't be able to be done if it was just straight ASCII. So, mm-hmm. huh. I don't know how much of this. I don't know why Tarn decided to do that. I'm assuming it's been that way since the start. I wonder if it was that just thought like it would add some flexibility or maybe at some point in the development, somebody was like, hey, Tarn. <laughs> can we can we do it this way? Well, can you use little little shapes instead of an X and a colon? And he's like, yeah, go nuts, but I'm not interested in that. <laughs> you know, it <laughs> seems to make it. I mean, I could imagine that that went that way. I I thought I thought that's mostly because he he was more interested in actually programming like uh, the the framework of the game instead of graphics, but he did it. Uh, the the graphics in this way because he thought he would come back to it and actually give the game some actual graphics. I think that's why it's coded like that. So the, the, yeah. the current graphics are more like a how you say that um, a filler box, so to say. Yeah, sure. Filler box. Yeah, yeah. Ah. It's just like you, you guys go nuts. I just posted the uh, the link to the Stack Exchange article. I'll put it in the show notes. But the Neat. title is Pseudo ASCII Graphics. What's the point? Indeed. I think we've got that figured out now. Well, I want to talk a little bit about my fortress that is running right now called Golden Light. So it was uh, the first fortress that I've done where I had it capped out at 100. And, uh, you know, the way Blind was talking in uh, a couple episodes ago... That's how I set it up, where I, in essence, just chopped everything in half and ran with that. So it was working really well. I also uncapped the frames per second, and I didn't like that as much because everything moved way too fast for for me. Now, I think, Tony, you like that. I do, yeah. But I like to sit there and watch them digging out uh, caverns and think about what I'm going to do next. So I have got really behind in this, in this fortress. And that's part of what ended up with the downfall of it. So, uh, you know, spoiler alert, uh, most people get killed. <laughs> um, <laughs> one of the things that I wanted to do was, was play around with some artwork on my dungeon floors. So I went out to the internet. I found a line drawing of a skull and I took some online graph paper that I downloaded at incompetech.io. Um, they are the people who do our music as well. And so I took that that graph paper and I superimposed it on the line drawing of the of the skull. And I did a pixel by pixel drawing on a floor of that skull without the lower jaw. And so my dwarves dug it out. I'll, I'll post that. It's probably going to be the picture that we use for the uh, for the episode this week. But it looks really cool. Oh, it took yes. me quite a while to do that. And That's while neat. I'm watching them dig, what's that? This the skull is really cool looking. By the way, mm-hmm. if, yeah, if you can't see it, um, it should be the thumbnail for the episode. It's awesome. The the bad thing about it is, is while I'm really being interested in that, I'm watching the dwarves dig that all out, and it takes them quite a while. 
while they're doing that, I am ignoring what's going on with the rest of my fortress. I am not paying attention to fortress security. So uh-uh. I realized that I have like 80 dwarves now. It's almost two years into the fortress. I've got my, my threshold set at half height. So I should be seeing some goblins pretty soon, I figure. So I quickly build up a squad. I get my squad set. I get them set up with armor and everything. And no sooner do I set them up with a training area than the goblins show up. Four goblins. I'm like, I can take four goblins. You know, a couple of them have been training for a little while. We should be all right. So I set it up. The four goblins come in. They waste no time in slaughtering all of my soldiers. Then they go into the they go into the fortress and just start slaughtering everybody. So I go from about 80 dwarves down to a single dwarf in a period of about 30 minutes of real time. Gee. And wow. then they leave. They don't kill that last dwarf. Then they leave. So right. I'm like, huh, well, what do I do? I'm, I'm sitting here trying to decide whether I want to just scrap the, the fortress and give up whenever I get a migration wave of nine dwarves. So these poor nine dwarves that just came in have the task of cleaning up the mess that was left behind <laughs> by the goblins. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> the, the, this one dwarf that they uh, that survived the goblin assault is pretty much useless because he uh, he's just running around with an exclamation point all the time. Yeah. He's mentally going to be pretty damaged. Disturbed about that. So the period between finishing the skull, uh, uh, the skull was going to, was planning on being my mausoleum. And so I'd started putting uh, caskets in the eye sockets of the skull. And (laughs) so no sooner do I get about half of my, uh, my, uh, my caskets placed when the, the bad guys show up. So I'm wondering you know, I think maybe really what it was, was that the skull art sent out some energy into the air and summoned <laughs> the four goblins. So I think that the skull cursed it. So I'm going to go ahead and play this fortress and see if I can get it back on its feet and see if uh, if we can survive or if it is indeed cursed by the skull. So I will be doing that, that line art uh with the floors for mausoleums from here on out though. Cause I think that's a cool idea. That is yes. Neat. Yeah, it is definitely cool. Like a corn dedi- uh, dedicated temple that curses your fort into eradication <laughs> is pretty <laughs> cool. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll see. So that's what my, uh, my most recent fortress has been like. There's a joy in that. And I haven't done this in a while. Let's take a look at the three-toe comments for the beginning of April. There is a land where Dwarf Fortress is easy enough for the casual gamer to learn and play. I know there is such a land, for I have seen it. I've created 29 Dwarven bedrooms with only a click and drag of the mouse after easily placing beds and doors. The same could be said about offices and tombs. I can see the game coming together in an easy, accessible way that is only limited by your imagination 
and the level of cruelty that you deem fit to inflict on the elves, goblins, and others who would dare trifle with you. Congratulations to the generous Frito. Great. That was Ooh. awesome, man. I loved it. Yes. That was incredible. So, yeah, one thing I love about that is he seems to confirm that you can place your beds and then click and drag around them and it will create bedrooms out of it. Yeah, I like that. I love that. Yeah, and oh, yes. he sort of shows that in the video that he made. Um, but he didn't do it with bedrooms. He did it with, with tombs, tombs, with, with yeah. caskets. So you yeah. don't, hopefully you don't place as many, although <laughs> I did have to put as many caskets as I had bedrooms in my recent fortress, but typically that's not a good thing. I think that is going to be great. Um, and that, that's really all everyone has been kind of wanting. It's like, make it easier for, for us to bring new people into the mayhem. Um, because yeah, yeah it, it isn't that now. So I just think when it hits steam, it's going to get, you know, people are going to people are going to see it for what it is and go all RimWorld on it. Yeah, and I, for example, already know at least five people that will get the Steam release as soon as it is out, mostly because I kind of uh, will making sure of that. But, uh, you know, it's five people more. That's pretty neat. Doubles our numbers. <laughs> <laughs> I talked to my daughter yesterday. We were discussing it, and she said that she took a look at playing the game because I make a podcast about it. So she kind of wanted to check out and see what it's about. And she got immediately turned off and didn't even play it. So then I told her that, well, you know, most people, they start playing it. They don't get it at first and they kick it out for, uh, for a couple months or three months or whatever. Then they come back the next time and they'll enjoy the game. So that she said that she now looks forward to playing the game and hating it once. <laughs> and then she will she will maybe then wait for a while and come back to it but i think that I think she is uh, uh, part of the core demographic of who wants to, who we want to be able to reach with what comes out as the steam release yeah yeah i think you're probably right so, and, and i think we don't even know yet maybe how all it's going to go and who all is going to get involved it's just going to i think it'll just take sort of a life of its own um yeah, she's 16 now. Hopefully it will come out, the Steam release will come out before she goes off to college so that she can show it to her uh, her roommates and friends there. <laughs> she's optimistic now. All <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. Uh, wait, he's... when do you go to college? Uh, typically like... at about 18. She'll be, she, she'll turn 18 uh, halfway through her last year of high school and then... Uh, than college after that. Okay. Uh, college is what's considered higher education here. I don't. I know that the the terminology gets uh, is a little different in Europe. Yeah, yeah, it is. But um, but okay. Well, uh, we do still have then like what two years left. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah. big chance that she can indoctrinate her uh, dorm mates. Yeah, I will give her the Dwarf Fortress Roundtable poster to hang on her locker. <laughs> so, so She'll be sure to do that. that. Like, no joke, do that. <laughs> yeah, I somehow don't see her going off and saying, hey, my dad does a podcast. 
on a computer game. Be like, yeah, who doesn't? Let's go hang out. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Maybe that's the maybe that's the group that I want them uh, want her hanging out. That's that's the group I hung out with when I was in college. There was we were big into the into the muds and Mush. muds and oh, what's the other? Yeah, muds and mushes. Mush. Yeah. I played Daiku Mud on a Solaris workstation. That was great. This is kind of that kind of a thing, you know, in a lot of ways. Yeah. It, it's that yeah. flavor. There's one thing that I need to know for uh, for for now. There's a way that you can tell your dwarves to clean up the outside as well as the inside of your fortress. <laughs> yeah, I know why you're asking that. Yeah, because it's my the outside of my fortress is a real, real mess, and and uh, yeah, um, it seems like there's a way to tell them to do that, and also to collect bolts from the outside of the fortress. Oh yes, yes. So, I think the key you want is O, and then I don't know what you do from there because I haven't quite figured it out. But it's something. Oh, there along it is. The that is it. That is it. That's it. Yeah, it's O, and then you, the current standing orders. Great, great. That's what I was looking for. Yeah, that does it. Current standing orders, yep. So you can, let's see, what do you get to do here? Announce some job cancellations. Dwarves gather animals, food, furniture, bodies, refuse. It's, and I think you can forbid yeah, the, everything. Yeah, there's things I don't understand. Mix food, no mix. I don't really know what that means. And that they they have a dedicated barrel for every single piece of food, meaning that, um, oh, man, for example, that's... when they have small mouth mouth bass, then they put that centered in just one barrel instead of spreading it over the entire stockpile. And I think oh. then is it Z? Is it activity zone orders? Or I'm not sure which one it is that says go do all these things outside. So cool. That's what I was looking for. That's exactly what I was looking for. I will go into it later i just couldn't remember how to get there right it's complicated this interface and and i think that mechanic is kind of complicated too i get why it's happening but it is a complicated i think it's a quite a complicated mechanic for the for the most part the defaults make sense i just wish that you it would be nice if if the dwarves have a have an entrance to the outside or have constructions on the outside that there would be a radius around those things that the dwarves consider part of their policing area and that they need to clean up regardless of you having to tell them to do things outside or not. That would make some sense, but yes, I would like that. That'd be nice. Like you don't have to take care of everything, but just this area where everyone's walking, it mm -hmm. would be great to not have body parts there. Up in the upper higher left-hand corner of the map. If there is a, you know, a dead buzzard, you don't have to go clean up its course, yeah. but the 12 dead dwarves that are like right outside the doorstep. Could you go ahead and kind of put those on a stockpile or a casket, please? <laughs> or the, um, the bolt that's at the bottom of a lake. How about we don't spend a lot of time trying to get that one. That would be great. Cause I've, I've, there, there was, I had set something up one time and things were falling into the water and they were, they kept trying to go get it. And then the more people that would fall in the water then die, then the more things they were trying to recover. And then so basically my whole fort just lemminged into the river trying to collect this bolt. And then that was a pretty sad ending to the story. So yeah, yeah, it happens. Coming up on our next episode is the 50th episode of Dwarf Fortress Roundtable, a completely arbitrary but somehow significant milestone, I guess. Yes, 50 is <laughs> so. a lot. 
So that's going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> Wait, we've been doing this then for, don't say it, three years? Is it three Since, now? Uh, no, two full years. We're working on our third, I think. Oh, uh, well, we started okay. in. We started in October, or sorry, in March of 2019. Uh, yeah, so it's a little over two years. Damn. March 2019. Okay, okay, okay. Yep. And I talked about this on the last episode, but it didn't make the final cut. But I want to, first of all, thanks for all of our patrons on Patreon. They help us make the podcast uh, better, and we plan on continuing improving it. And... To that note, we plan on starting to do shout outs for our patrons on Patreon. If you would prefer that we do not do a shout out for you, if you would go ahead and either send us an email at urist at dfroundtable.com. That's U-R-I-S-T at dfroundtable.com to let us know that you would prefer that we not uh, give you a shout out. Or you can send us a message on Patreon itself. What I also thought that you could do, if you don't want your name or your username shouted out, but you wouldn't mind a shout out, send us your dwarfy name. Make up something like Urst McGenerous, and we'll we'll make that your dwarfy name. If you've got a reputation to protect. <laughs> exactly. And you still want to feel part of it. If you don't want people knowing that you support something as sketchy as us. If you're planning on running for political office, let us know, and, and we'll take that into account. Exactly. So, yeah. So I just wanted to, to let everyone know that we're going to start doing that before we start doing it, because, uh, you know, the the patrons are, are helping us out financially and we really do appreciate that. Thanks. So. Indeed. Definitely. Yes. And uh, thank you for all the all the folks who've been listening for over the last uh, couple of years. It's been a wonderful, wonderful trip. I sound like we're wrapping up the podcast. We're not. We're not quitting. <laughs> we refuse to quit. We will we, absolutely. We refuse to quit before the steam release comes out. Anyway, true. Yeah, yes. no. It's got. It's got a steam. At, steam on. Full steam ahead. Full steam forward. Yeah. Full. Uh, full. Full. Full itch ahead. Full itch ahead. <laughs> Does anybody have anything they would like to add for this week's episode? I feel pretty good about what we've covered. Some great ground. I would love you to post some of those photos of the art for that you're doing because that's freaking awesome and uh hope, hopefully yep. our listeners can check that out <laughs> all right uh and with that we are going to wrap things up thank you so much for listening and guys thanks for joining me on this episode of dwarf fortress roundtable we'll see y'all in a couple weeks for episode 50 awesome yes can't wait really we'll see you next time thanks everybody this has been the dwarf fortress roundtable podcast you can find all our past episodes at dfroundtable.com. Stop by and leave a message or suggestion in the comments section for this episode. While you're there, you can subscribe to Dwarf Fortress Roundtable or find us in the podcast service of your choice. You can find video content on our YouTube channel, and you can send us an email at urist at dfroundtable.com. That's U-R-I-S-T at dfroundtable.com. Please consider donating to the creators of Dwarf Fortress at bay12games.com. If you'd like to help support this podcast, you can find us at patreon.com slash dfroundtable. Music for this episode is from filmmusic.io. Sky Cullen and Folkround are both by Kevin McLeod. You can find more from Kevin McLeod at incompetech.io.